Welcome back to the Over the Monster podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined for episode 131 by Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Keaton, what's up, my man? Not much. Just uh, kind of putting the bow on the Red Sox season as we're winding down and getting pretty pumped for the uh, Patriots and Antonio Brown. That's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it sure small, is. Small consolation. Yeah, it's a it's a bit of a bummer. Um, you know, the way this baseball season has gone and if you either listen to this podcast or follow me and Matt over at Locked On Red Sox, you know that it's been a very up and down season, but you know, at this point it does look like it's it's kind of wrapped up, but um I got to say for for most of the people out here who are probably also Patriots fans, it is very shocking that the Patriots were able to pull off this Antonio Brown thing. It seems surreal. <laughs> yeah, I, I was taking a nap yesterday afternoon, and I woke up because my Apple Watch was going berserk with people texting me and notifications, and I was like, what the hell is going on? So that was, that was kind of uh, some nice news, fun news to wake up to. Yeah, it sure was. Um, it's just crazy that this this team could be, on paper, the most talented version of the the Patriots that we've seen since 07, and we know how that ended. So it really yeah. doesn't mean anything right now, but still, you know, awesome to look forward to. Um, but unfortunately, we gotta we got to ca- catch up on what's going on with our Red Sox. And, um, you know, heading into today's game against the Yankees, because Keaton and I are recording this in the afternoon. We're recording this at 445 on the East Coast. Um, but heading into today, the Red Sox have fallen to – uh, 1.6% playoff odds according to Fangraphs, and as you guys have probably noticed, uh, the Fangraphs odds have been a lot more favorable uh, to the Red Sox than the baseball prospectus odds, so that's about as good as it gets right there. Uh, the Red Sox are seven games back of the second wild card spot. Um, Keaton, this chase was fun, but this really isn't going to happen for this team, is it? Nope. It seems like this is the stretch that buried him, uh, which we talked about on the last podcast as um, and this was probably going to either, you know, keep them right where they were or they were going to lose some ground and kind of be put away, and that's kind of what happened. Although in a vacuum, their performance against the Twins was actually pretty good. I mean, they had two one-run losses and then a 6-2 win. Uh, the one, uh, the third game, the 2-1, to Evaldi pitched – real well, uh, and the bats just real frustrating, just couldn't get it done. And then, uh, of course, ultimately, the Devers throwing at the plate, going for the tie. Yep. But He was out by I, a mile. He was, yeah. Was I didn't have throw. a problem with it, though. No, I, didn't have, I, yeah. I didn't either. It was a perfect throw. Yeah, I and mean, it was given where the Red Sox were. They had four hits the entire game up to that point. Uh, and that was including um, – actually, I think that was including Martinez off the wall. So, I mean, there wasn't really a guarantee that they were going to have, you know, even you know a solid chance of pushing the runner in from third with two outs already. I don't really have a problem with it, but it just kind of felt like in 2008, throw would have been a step behind – or 2018, throw would have been a step behind – 2019 throw was a step ahead. <laughs> so that was just kind of how things have been going this year. Yeah, but, it did seem kind of microcosmy. Yeah, and so they are two and uh, three, right? In the I'm doing that math really quickly. Yeah, but uh, 
so in a vacuum, it's actually not not terrible results against the Twins and Yankees so far. And obviously, they had a great win in the first game of the series against the Yankees. And so we're recording this now um, Sunday afternoon before the Sunday night game. So we don't know how they're doing tonight. So we just have the previous results to go off of. But I don't think they've they've played all that bad in these games. They're just playing really good teams, and they just can't you know stick with them for a whole. Nine innings because there's the issues with the rotation and the, that we kind of knew coming into this. So uh, while they haven't really, you know, they haven't performed poorly, it's just uh, not enough to keep them on for the playoffs. And and uh, I'd say it's over. Yeah, I would say so too. Um, you know, still a lot of lot to watch for as we wrap up this uh, this season. You know, where Stever's going to end up with his numbers and. Bogey and and JD Martinez. If he reaches 40 home runs, he's I think he's going to do that as well. I mean, there's still a lot of things to tune in for, but yeah, unfortunately, it seems like the Red Sox are going to be playing some meaningless baseball. Um, looking forward, but interesting thing this week: Red Sox um, called up all of their remaining pitchers um, who were on the 40-man roster. They now have 16 pitchers in their bullpen, five that they've been using out of their rotation. That includes. Uh, Julius Chastain, who pitched out of their rotation, um, still includes David Price in that mix, even though he's kind of down. But what are your thoughts on their decision to call up all of these guys? Um, and does this concern you from a pace of play standpoint? No. So it was either you or the Over the Monster account. I don't remember which one had it. But um, the Red Sox used seven pitchers. In uh, I don't remember which game it was, either yesterday or um, Friday. Uh, but only one of the the pitching changes happens uh, mid inning. All of them were to start an inning, so there there wasn't any pace to play issues with that game. There's been plenty of games where we had a starter go seven. Uh, and then made a couple changes mid-inning that would have slowed it down more than what that game had done. So it all, I think it all depends on when the pitching changes happen. But as far as like a pace to play issue, we basically just had a, a new core just threw a new pitcher out there to start every inning. So it wasn't all that wild, even with all of these pitchers. But fun note, uh, the most pitchers ever on an active roster is 22 so the Red Sox are only one behind that, and it would not shock me if somehow they added another to tie that, just the way that they've been going. But yeah, I, I, it didn't. It doesn't concern me unless they start doing multiple in-inning pitching changes and then kind of slow it down that way. But the way that Cora has been using him, he's been just been bringing new pitchers in to start a fresh inning and get through one inning and then go to another pitcher. So that's, I don't, there isn't a pace play option or uh, issue with how he's using them. Yeah, I agree, um, and that's a great point that you know the, the way they're currently being deployed is not affecting that situation. And we even had a really quick game. I think it was. Right. No, Thursday. I think it was the Thursday game against the Twins. It was like a very quick game. Um, I want to say that ended like right around 10 o'clock at night. So, you know, a few of these games have been have been moving along pretty well despite all the bullpenning that's going on. Yeah, and um, Chastain only got two innings to open on Friday. Um, I think he had five strikeouts, though. I mean, he almost struck out. He gave... 
the, up a hit to the first batter. Maybe the first batter was the one that wasn't a strikeout and then struck out everybody else he faced. He looked way better than I thought he was going to look. Uh, and maybe that was because it was just a limited two-inning sample and, it, you know, he wasn't stretched out or asked to go um, any strenuous pitch count or something like that. But he looked a lot better than I thought, and he really kind of set the tone from the jump in a game where Red Sox pitchers just struck out like almost every Yankee they could. Yeah, I was also encouraged with Chastain. I wasn't expecting anything from him, and what we got was was fairly good. It was actually yeah. pretty impressive. So, yeah, that was good. Um, in terms of why other teams don't do this, though, why do you think other teams don't just do this and bring up all these pitchers? Because now the Red Sox have the ability, like we were talking about before uh, in last week's podcast, to really decide when they're going to throw their important guys and when they're out of it and they can throw out mop-up guys and you know it, it certainly helps a team like the Red Sox more than more than other teams but other teams could definitely benefit from a similar strategy if they just kind of throw everything to the wind and bring up as many pitchers as they'd like. They can. I think it was more the need of the Red Sox that dictated that move um, being I think at the time five and a half back in the wild card um, and being down two starters, they had to put together two bullpen days um, pretty much from here on out. So they needed the bodies in order to do that so that they weren't just really, really stretching all of their good relievers out. Most of the time in the team when they're going to their September call-ups, they're not going to have that type of situation in front of them, so they're not going to need to do it. So I think it was more of just a circumstantial move by the Red Sox. Um I'm sure there are other teams that uh, extend their bullpens. Nothing that's, like, to this wild extent of 16 players there, though. But it, I wouldn't be shocked if there were more going forward. But also, again, the uh, if that you have to face three batters rule goes into effect, and that would limit it, too, because then you're not using a guy specifically who's just a, a lefty specialist to get that one out you have to leave him in there for more than that. So there would be less of an incentive to do so, call up all those guys. Right. And there's there's also going to be an impossibility of calling up all those guys next year because they're going to be switching to 26-man rosters for the entire season and 28-man rosters when rosters expand in September. So they're not going to be able to do this next year, so they ought to figure out um, a better way to... I don't know, make it through the season with their pitchers next season? Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I'd be curious to see of, um, like, the, essentially those two extra roster spots, how many of them go to batters and how many of them go to pitchers across the landscape of the league. Because I would imagine, uh, I guess just my gut would tell me, that we're going to see a lot more pitchers called up than hitters with just a limited number of spaces. The Red Sox went with an eight-man um, bullpen this year for most of the season. Do you think that was them experimenting with the eight-man bullpen that they're going to be using next year while they probably deploy a four-man bench like usual? Uh, no. I think it was they had a lot of really bad pitchers and were going for quantity over quality to get through nine innings of a game. And so I think that was the why they went in that direction. Although maybe you're right. Maybe that was just let's see how it's going to look when we're forced to do this 
Uh, maybe there's a little bit of both. Yeah, could have been. Could have been a combo of the two. Um, you, you mentioned, though, the injuries in the rotation, and we obviously know that Chris Sale is down for the rest of the year with PRP in his elbow. Um, but David Price had that cyst act up in his wrist again. Um, reading Alex Spears' article on David Price, this seems kind of troubling um, because David said that this prevents him from throwing his changeup in his cutter effectively and because it essentially it, it doesn't allow him to manipulate his wrist the same way that he would typically do that. And he needs to manipulate his wrist correctly for him to be able to throw those breaking and off-speed pitches. Um, so obviously David Price is not going to be able to go out there and just pump fastballs. We've already seen what that looks like, and that wasn't pretty um, when he used to rely on that strategy. So um, do you think David Price will pitch at all uh, over the course of the rest of this year, and how concerned are you for David Price in 2020? No, I think he's done for the year. Um, there's no reason to try and rush him back for him. I mean, there's there'd be pointless innings for him to throw. So I would much rather see them just phone it in with him and come back for 2020 with him and Sale healthy. Um, I'm not as concerned for 2020. I think given an off season to recover, um, if he needs the surgery for it, get the surgery uh, and just come at 2020 clean versus still trying to just do some preventative measures to get rid of it. I think he's going to be good to go for next year. I would would expect him to be much more of what he was in the first half of this year. Yeah, I would think so too. Um, And from a a standpoint of what management actually thinks, um, Dombrowski commented on this and he said, I'm not worried about the durability um, but I don't expect him to be the guy that he was when he was 28. Um, obviously, he knows that he doesn't throw as hard as he used to, but he does know how to pitch. And it sounds like Dave Dombrowski and um, David Price think that this cyst is going to be like a, a relatively minor procedure. It sounds like almost like how guys get a knee cleanup in the offseason. It sounds kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I so, think it's going to be fun. Yeah, and you know what? I'd I'd almost rather see him just undergo this like now, like next week. Um, give him a little bit Agreed. of extra time, you know, because with the Red Sox being seven games out of the wild card and basically eliminated at this point, there's no incentive to have him hang around in the clubhouse. You know, it's not like that's really going to affect things. Go get the surgery and hang out in the clubhouse with a cast on. You know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The the more time that he can have to recover from this will be the better. So. Uh, I agree. I'd like to see him just as soon as possible. Just get it done. So let's look at that rotation a little bit headed into 2020. Um, There are a lot of question marks, obviously. Um, Obviously, the the biggest question mark is Chris Sale, how he's going to uh, fare with this PRP uh, treatment. We've talked about on past podcasts that the PRP has worked effective for some pitchers. It has not worked for other pitchers, so I think there's still a, a tremendous amount of question marks whether or not this is going to be at all effective for Chris Sale and whether he'll pitch next year, but the plan is for him to go. Um, we obviously just talked about David Price and the fact that we think that he's going to be able to be fine next year, but Nadia Evaldi, um, he's still building up the innings, although he is looking better. He did have the bone spurs removed this past year. He's a multiple Tommy John guy. There are some questions there because he didn't throw that many innings this year. You're going to have your top three pitchers in the rotation 
aside from Eduardo Rodriguez, and you can kind of, I think you could argue that he's maybe their number two starter at this point, maybe number three behind Price when he's right. Um, but you're going to have three guys out of your four who are locked into that rotation that have some health question marks and at the very least that have lower innings totals this year than you'd like them to have. So how nervous are you about this mix that we have going into 2020 where three guys had health issues the year before? Very nervous. Very worried. Um, This year was really uh, a showcase in a position that we initially coming into the season thought was more of a strength of the team. They're starting pitching, and we assume the Achilles heel is going to be the bullpen. And it turns out that they, as the season's gone on farther and farther, guys in the bullpen have really kind of staked their claim. And uh, it's been a lot much better over the second half of the season than it was in the first half, especially once they, I mean, you pointed it out in a previous pod, once they made Workman the closer, everything else started to fall in line and everybody started pitching better. Uh, and the bullpen hasn't really been as much of a concern. But starting pitching has been god-awful. And... Um, knowing that the majority of the starters are going to go into next season coming off of uh, injury issues, that's very scary, especially since they're not, like, uh, small maintenance kind of things, although we think maybe Price, his might be, but he has a well-documented history of uh, – just a laundry list of injuries and things that bother him that can keep him off the mound. So that even if he was going into the year healthy, there would still be that hanging over that we've just we've had enough seasons where he's, things have flared up and he's missed games where we would kind of almost expect that to happen. Chris Sale's injury is very concerning. Um, the PRP isn't terribly successful in avoiding Tommy John. So that's going to be lingering overall next season. Um all of all these past injuries are still kind of flaring up. Um, he's been better as of late, but can we? There's still questions about being able to rely on him for an entire season. And shockingly, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez has basically been got, got through this season clean, and he was probably the starting pitcher coming into the season that we were the most concerned about being able to pitch a full season of innings. And he's been able to do it, but there's still going to be even questions with him because we know all it takes is a wet pitching rubber in the bullpen in Baltimore to knock him out for a month and a half. Yeah. So there's not one one starting pitcher that I feel great about being able to go a full season of innings next year either. So I yeah. think that we have massive questions on that. Yeah, and just to touch on Eddie, as, as great as Eddie's progress has been this year in terms of being able to go out there, and he's already at 172 in a third inning, so at this point in the season, which is – more than I think anybody expected him to. Uh, his 3.81 ERA is not as nice when you dig into the surface. He still has dig under the surface. He still has walk issues. Uh, his Sierra is 4.53, um, which would put him 40th amongst qualified starters behind guys like Tanner Roark, Miles Mikolas, Robbie Ray, Joe Musgrove. I mean, like there's a lot of players who have a, a better Sierra than him. His his FIP and XFIP uh, tell tell a different story. His DRA tells a different story. I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez has been durable. That's what he proved this year, but he has not really proved that he can pitch like an elite guy. In terms of pitcher war, he's also 40th amongst qualified starters. 
um, he's still not even close to that elite type of category. There's a lot that needs to be done here for him to, you know, become effective. Right now, he really is truly a fourth starter. Yeah, and he's been very reliable, and he's done enough to have a very successful year, probably a career year for him. Um, but there's still a sizable gap between what he is now and a reliable number two starter um, you know, that his pedigree as a prospect had. And um, he's made gains season over season, really, like the last four seasons. So I don't think that um, it's out of the realm of possibility for him to, to reach that pinnacle. But he's not there now, for sure. What do the Red Sox do for a fifth starter next year? Free agent. Are you looking for a specific free agent? No, not particularly. I just I'm I'm trying to map it out here. If we think that sales going to be healthy, if we think that price is going to be back, Evaldi that's three. Eduardo Rodriguez makes four, and then there's significant questions. Yeah, I don't think there is an internal option for a fifth starter. It's going to have to come from somewhere else. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I don't want to see Brian Johnson back there every fifth day. Um, I don't really believe in Stephen Wright. Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine that's going to come from inside the organization. So, um, And it's also hard to imagine that they're going to sign somebody for big money. So I think that the, the type of guy that you're going to see back there is going to be a true, true fifth starter level type guy. So pitching will continue to be the biggest question mark headed into 2020, but there's still significant work to be done on the bullpen side of things as well. There's at least two arms that need to be needed there or need to be added there. Yep, definitely. And I think that uh, an actual closure should still be a priority and then uh, another high leverage arm that they can use. Um, As improved as the bullpen has been, they're still – from being able to, you know, close out games at a very competitive level, still two high leverage arms away from making a significant dent into that. Totally would, agree. Would you rank the off season needs for me in terms of your order of importance? Uh, so here's I how I'd go. I'll, I'll, I'll give you mine first. Um, I would go closer one. I would go high leverage arm two, and then I would go fifth starter three, because I feel like you're going to be able to find a fifth starter for relatively inexpensive money. I think you are, but at the same time, they have no depth for when slash if any of the other four go out. Right. So I I think I would – yeah, I would rather see them kind of put effort into more than just a fifth starter get someone with a little bit more pedigree might be a little bit more reliable. Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's either shoring up the ro- the rotation or adding more depth to the rotation, like two starters, whatever uh, is first for me because we saw last year that with good starting pitching and major league baseball's best offense, you can navigate a poor bullpen as frustrating as it is to watch it on a night in and night out basis but I don't think like they could have like the Astros bullpen and if their starters can only get through four 
and then they have to put together two bullpen days on the other fifth days, it's not going to matter how good the bullpen is because they're going to be behind anyway almost the majority of the time. So I think the either a number three type high floor pitcher or a couple pitchers, starting pitchers to add to the depth and shore that up would be first and then a closer and then a seventh day inning guy. All right. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, there's a lot of work to be done. It's just yeah, it's kind of daunting yep. thinking about it right now. Yep. And, and we have to consider who's going to be doing the work because there's a good possibility that it won't be Dombrowski. Yep, that too. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, we'll dive into those more as the uh, as the off season drones on, but we'll we'll save that for another much colder fall day. Um, let's get to some listener questions here, Keaton. We have one from Warm Wigwam, which asks <laughs> us, um, "What do you estimate AB's numbers to be in Week Two versus Miami?" Man, well, after seeing how bad Miami really is uh, against the Ravens. Not that the Ravens are going to be bad, but uh, they are no Patriots offense. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go conservative and say six for sixty and a touchdown, just because it's one week in the Patriots system. So I don't think he's gonna have significant volume, but uh, I think he's gonna find the end zone. Man, that's a really good line. I agree with it. But just for the sake of offering a different line, um, I will go with 7 and 95 and no touchdown. I think that he gets one long scamper in there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Could definitely see that. Our next question, uh, and our last question, because we didn't get very many today. It seems like everybody's in football mode as the NFL season uh, really gets underway today. But Gordon Comstock has a great question for us. He says, not advocating for this purely a thought experiment. Is there a starting pitcher, all things considered, contract team control that you would trade Rafi straight up for? He says, Flaherty, Soroka, Bueller, Castillo, those are the only that come to mind that I'd have to consider. All right, Keaton, this is a really interesting question. Do you have some time to think about this? I did, um, and I really think it's only two, and I think it's Flaherty and Bueller. Those are the only two. Um, Flaherty is one year older than than Devers. Bueller is two. I don't really like Castillo, even though I know he's been the hot name past couple years. Um, But both of those guys are young and established Aces, they'd strike out a shit ton of guys and don't walk people. Both of them are nasty. And so I think that uh, those are the only two that I would consider. I thought for a moment about Snell and Aaron Nola, but I think there's there, – it's going to be wild to think, but I mean, Devers is only 22, and Nola and Snell are both 26. So there's a big age gap in the years that you would get with Devers versus the years that you would get with Nola and Snell. And I think Nola just signed some kind of extension, but I don't think it was all that bad. But I think Nola and Snell are close thirds, but I I don't think I would pull the trigger on them, but I would for Flaherty and Bueller. 
Yeah, Nola has a really nice contract of four years, $45 million with a club option for 2023. So his, his contract is super favorable. Um, I went with also two guys, and I really thought about a third guy. I I went with, uh, just like you, uh, Walker Bueller as a possibility. Uh, my other possibility, though, you definitely disagree with, but I would go with Garrett Cole, um, no matter what he gets in this <laughs> offseason, um, because even though Garrett Cole is in his age 29 season, um, Cole kind of has the frame of a guy who is going to be really friggin' good throughout his 30s, and I think that, um, you know, he's, he's, he's as close to a front-line ace. I mean, he is a front-line ace. He's as good as it gets in terms of that, so... And he's super durable, so I would go with him even if that means, like, paying $30 million a year for the next 10 years. But all this being said, I would not trade Devers for a pitcher. No, I don't think I would either, especially just given the the climate of the ball. Like it's, it's, it's just much harder on pitchers than it is on hitters, and you have a young stud that – Probably could have put up a line pretty darn similar to this, even if the ball wasn't juiced. So, I mean, there's just so much value in that. And at third base, and he's playing well above average defense now. So, that's really tough. But it's funny that you mentioned Cole, because I also seriously considered him too, but then ended up, just because of the age, knocking him off. But he is really, really good. So, I don't don't, uh, absolutely disagree like you had predicted I would. Uh, I think that's a fair consideration. Say, uh, not sale. Cole today, eight innings, 15 strikeouts, zero walks. Yeah, he's pretty darn good. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Um, I think J- JV, though, secured that Cy Young from him with the uh, no-hitter, though. What do you think? I don't know. I think it's going to be real close between those two. I wouldn't really argue either way. Like, if you think Verlander or Cole should get it, then I think both of those would be the right answer. But I think there's a pretty sizable gap between those two in the in the field. Yeah, so Verlander has him in ERA and whip. He also has him in innings pitched, and he has him in wins. Um, Cole has him in terms of strikeouts, and that's it. And he doesn't have a no-hitter. <laughs> yeah, Verlander has three. Um, yeah, and one this season <laughs> that was almost a perfect game. So Yeah. Yeah, he's – I think it's JV's year. Yep. All right. Well, that is our show today. A little bit of a quicker one, but, you know, that's what happens when your team's out of it. And uh, you've talked about almost everything there is to talk to talk about about the Red Sox this season. So enjoy your football season. Um, we will be back with you uh, until the end of the season regularly, and then we'll be a little bit less frequent during the off season. But we do thank you for your download. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please recommend us to your friends, rate and review us, and subscribe to our podcast on anywhere you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anything like that. And also follow us on Twitter. You can follow Keaton at the Spoken Keats. You can follow me at DevJake, and you can follow the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. So we thank you again for listening, and we'll be with you next week at the same time.